Good evening, Patriots. And it is Thursday, July 7th in the year 2022. Before we jump into tonight's news, and there's some big breaking news, let me just play this. Keep your immune system strong. These stresses in the world, and I'm not joking, are going to get more extreme. We are surrounded by the stresses and the environmental issues that are challenging our immune systems. And keeping our immune systems strong is essential to maintaining a strong position in this fight. Expedition Coffee was designed specifically to not only give you that energy boost you need that will sustain you across the entire day while boosting your immune system and help maintain a mental focus throughout the day. You can find Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, Expedition Coffee at ExpeditionCoffee.com. And there you'll also find a full range of products that are designed to work as a full health ecosystem, all designed to reclaim your personal health sovereignty. Those products include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is one of the critical causes of sickness in our nation. You also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is a nutrient powder, giving your body a full complement of nutrients you need. Just mix it with water, drink it like a shake. Do that once a day. And Pure 47, one of the most refined silver extracts on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens that you'll encounter. The products on ExpeditionCoffee.com are all designed to give you back the strength in your immune system to not only endure the challenges to the immune system, but to dominate and to rise above to reclaim your true health sovereignty. So check out Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. So Patriots, the first thing of news tonight is Minister Shinzo Abe of Japan has been assassinated. He was shot by a suspect who apparently is now arrested that that used what appears to be a custom-made sawed-off shotgun at close range. This happened just earlier tonight. It's interesting to note that one of the accounts that I follow that I've had many people tell me is a spoof account, which is Ezra Watnick, I believe it is, I'll, I'll find it here in a minute, on Telegram, forecasted this back, Ezra Cohen, I'm sorry, that's the name of the account, Ezra A. Cohen. Um, that account in May stated international assassination warning and then added, we need to remember to spread the word to fight for change and that's what keeps me alive. So... <clears throat> Some good intel around there if we continue to look and listen. It's important. The first report of this I got tonight from General McInerney, which is something else. So we are in these sorts of things that we're going to see a lot more of, and it's going to require that we stay focused on prayer and not vengeance. And I'm, I'm going to talk towards this a lot in the coming days and weeks because what they're trying to do is provoke civil war in every location they can. And what has happened here in the United States is they've had major failures. And this is their main target is to topple the United States. They always being the cabal which at this point in time, and one of the reasons we'll continue to pray for the exposing of the plotters, not just the plot, but we really don't have a handle on the specific instigators of this. We have indications that it's people related to intelligence or the Jesuit order or big pharma or centralized banking. We know that they're all involved in one way or another, but there's, there are real life people that are connected directly to these issues, that have planned them out and executed and arranged for the execution of these. And we need to continue to pray and do our research at the same time to expose the plotters. Now, it's interesting to note that last night on Fishers, we prayed for the exposing of the plot and the plotters. And today, many things started to show up on the web and on the news feeds and I just always, when I look at something like that, I find it very powerful. It's a God responding. And it, because something like this is so interconnected and so layered that it's going to take layers of exposure. And it's going to have to continue to pour out for us to comprehend the magnitude of what we're dealing with here. 
and it is massive. We have obviously an open betrayal by our Department of Defense, which is now starting to expel great soldiers for refusing to take the, the shot. I don't see that as a, at this point, I don't see that as a negative. And I know for those soldiers, and I, I will, you know, you, you're all in our prayers. Every one of these soldiers are in our prayers that have taken the choice to not take the jab. God bless you. Our prayers are with you, but at the same time, I'm just going to say this to the soldiers. If you're listening, God has a plan for you. We're with you and understand that the world is separating, that we're in the middle of bifurcation. And it's literally the threshing floor. And as we hit that threshing floor, there's going to be a lot of crazy things that happen. And even now in Japan, and they're not predominantly a Christian nation, that there's a strong Christian element there. We need to continue to pray for these countries as the attempts are made to destabilize and provoke violence among the people. All of this manipulation that the cabal does is always to try to pit us against each other. And it's it becomes insane. I mean, I just watched a video. It's, there's no audio to it, but it was a piece a little bit ago on a location in New York which is Bell Fries in New York City's in New York City and over a 25 cent dipping sauce and I'm just going to say it because ultimately this is accountability this is an entire black american group that literally goes nuts and wages war at this restaurant jumps behind the counter, tears apart the glass, ravages the kitchen, throw, attacks the people there. See, this is the provocation. And, you know, the, and of course, they can't stop without doing some twerking on the counter. I don't know what this mentality is other than it's godless. And it's likely funded by somebody. I'm always, it's always important that we follow the money because people will do anything to sell their damn soul for anything. And it's disgusting to me because we, we have built a society and around too much of a worship of money and dollars. I heard a comment the other day from somebody that, I mean, I, I, I don't know who this person is, but they just had a great comment and it was an interview with them and they asked, they were asked why they were living over in Russia and why they had left the United States to live permanently in Russia. And the statement was that they love the United States as a country, but they came to hate the fact that everything in the United States was equated to money. And they had moved to Russia where there was a substantive life beyond finances, where there was actually a culture that was rich in history and valued its history. And I will tell you, I can speak to that firsthand because traveling the world, I will tell you that the people of the United States are some of the most wonderful people in the world, but the culture of the United States is bankrupt. And that's because as a culture, everything we do revolves around what the bank balance is or what my investment balance is or what my, my total what net worth is, how much I make, what my job title is. It's empty. And the sick part about that is we should not be that way as a nation. As a nation, we should be centered in God and trusting in God. We would all be fine, but we're not. You know, we have these, these indoctrinations that go on constantly. America, the greatest company, country in the world. Well, open the eyes and, and let's be honest with where we are at. There are amazing people in this nation, huge hearts, beautiful people, but they aren't the voice that's leading and they're not the voice that's shaping this nation. Everything is going to be around what's your value? What's your 401k worth? What, what investments have you made? What car do you drive? What suits do you wear? Who tailors your suits? Who tailors your shirts? Who, who hand makes your shirts? I'm going to tell you, that is a very, very real thing in the big cities. If you haven't seen the movie American Psycho, that's like a great portrayal of what you're dealing with at these elite areas. And it is all about 
the presence and image of wealth, opulence, whatever, like you're trying to outdo somebody else. If someone, here's a simple example. There was a whole trend that started in Wall Street about eight years ago. And it was people were starting to wear tennis shoes to work, which was who would ever do that? You would never wear tennis shoes. You should be wearing leather shoes like Armani's or or Kohl's. And they should be even better if you can find a handmade tailor to make shoes. That's it. But suddenly a whole industry cracked up, cracked open of making $800, $1,200, $2,000 shoes, tennis shoes. And it wasn't, they were custom leather shoes, whatever. That's the insanity that goes on. And I've told this story before. In 2016, we did a tour under the Kilroy Rising Pact that I had set up, helping mobilize votes. And I will tell you, that's something I'm very proud of because we were able to meet and have great meetings with people that usually don't even get talked to. And that's like gang members and militia people and at that point, the whole movement of what I would call fringe or tin hatters, which today are mainstream thinkers by standard of where we've come, which is great. And as we had this one meeting, and it was, as I recall, it was in southern Illinois. I, as I recall, I'm not exactly sure. It could have been part of Ohio, one of the two, but I believe it was in southern Illinois. But anyway, we, we had this meeting arranged for us to have a small rally. And we drove in, and as we drove in, we were all struck. There was three of us together doing this. We were kind of doing what we call like the traditional soapbox politicking, just small groups. Everywhere we could get a rally, we would go to it. And really grassroots. And we drove into this town, and the first thing that struck us is just how decimated it was from lack of industry. We could see all the relics of industry, but it was all gone. And emotionally, it hit us pretty hard. And we drove into this mall where, we said, where they said the meeting was going to be, and, it, and it, the whole mall was vacant, except for one place, which was this little bar. And so we went into the bar, and the bar had set aside a small meeting room for us, no cost. And we ended up with like 10, 15 people, something like that. Nothing huge, but it was a nice small rally with local folks. So a couple of things that came out of that. There was a woman that had helped organize this. And there was some misunderstanding. We just had a lot of people volunteer to set these up. And so one of the guys came to me and said, well, she wants to know if she can be paid. And, and at this point, I'd been putting out several tens of thousand dollars for this whole operation. And this was an unexpected expense. And I'll be very honest. It was, it caught me a little bit off guard. And I, I was a little bit irritated that this wasn't discussed before. And because this was arranged by one of the other guys on the team. And I was a little irritated that it wasn't discussed before we got there, that she was going to be charging a fee. And of course, at this point, I was living in Philadelphia. And so I, my mindset it was around those sorts of costs that would run in Philadelphia, which is like a smaller scale New York. So I was expecting to hear something like $850, $850 or $1,000. And I, so I kind of held my tongue, but I vented my frustration and the guy says to me, she says, well, she's just hoping to get $20 so she could afford to get a little bit of milk and bread for the kids in the refrigerator this week. Now, to put in context, I had just finished spending some days prior to leaving in New York and did plenty of business that last year in New York where it was not at all unheard of when you're meeting with clients that your nightly food bill for one meal and, and maybe a cocktail or something is $200. And it's not at all uncommon to spend for coffee, eight bucks. And especially since Starbucks had just opened up a special coffee house with specialty coffees in Manhattan, where every cup of drip coffee was 10 bucks. It's insane. And no, I didn't ever have one. I thought that was dumb. 
I seldom ever bought coffee out because I make it myself. And when I was told that she needed $20, it was everything in my composure not to just break down in tears. And God hit me hard, and it was a great moment of, like, what is important here? So I went to the ATM. As I recall, I pulled out 60 or $80, and I just handed it to her. And she literally was in tears, just grateful. And that moment has never left me on how important it is that we pay attention to each other and listen and not come quick to our assessment based on where we think we're coming from. But more importantly, how great of a country we are. This person was doing everything they could for this nation, which wasn't in scale of things. They brought in 10 or 15 people, but they did the effort to go out and organize an event place and get it ready. And then as we were finishing up, we had a chance to talk to our server who was also doubling as the bartender in the other part of the place because it was like a family section with a bar section in the back. And she had had a bachelor's degree. She had two children at home. And the best job she could get was what she had there. And no matter, even if it wasn't paying that much, at least it brought in some money. And this is while at New York, they're piddling around, spending $10 a cup on coffee. She's lucky if she brings home 10 bucks an hour. I come from a place where three times, actually, in my life, I've lost everything. And it's not easy. One was from a divorce. One was a decision to go to Afghanistan. But to do that, I had to give up everything. Literally, I had to shut my business down. I had to commit to it. And when I got back from Afghanistan, I didn't have an income flow. I was literally house sitting for some people and sleeping on people's sofas until I got my feet underneath me. But I took that risk. And the third time was after my event in August of 2017 when I got blasted and got thrown in jail for 20 days. I lost all means of developing an income for almost a year and a half because of what the media did to me and slaughtered my reputation and name for what eventually was completely dismissed and thrown out of court. But that's what they do to people, and that's what the system does to people. And all along here, I can only turn and tell you that each time God brought me closer to him, and each time I learned to listen a little bit better, and each time I was humbled, he gave me all that I needed. That's a long ways from where I started this discussion, because we started about violence in a restaurant and the money that we consume ourselves with. But that's exactly kind of the point. As a nation, we're incredible people. We really are. I I will tell you in traveling the world, there are few people I've met that I could say that are better people than Americans. And I'm not talking about the stereotype, make big money America. I'm talking about the down-home, honest Americans that aren't loud. They're just hardworking. They care for each other. They, they'll break bread. But I've also been humbled by some of the greatest kindness as I've traveled around the world and deeply humbled with people that really don't have money to share. One of the most heart-wrenching moments afterwards, because I didn't realize what had happened until afterwards, was in Afghanistan where we were invited, myself, a sergeant and a, and a captain, we all three of us were invited to a shura in a little village. And we accepted, and when we got there, it became evident that they were honoring us as the team nearby to protect their village. But I'm going to tell you, what they served us 
was hardly digestible, not because they wanted to give us bad things, but because that's all they had. And yet I knew, we knew the minute that that was served, that what we were taking from them was their small modicum of ration that they had for probably the next couple of months. And yet they shared it. And why did they share it? Because in the world of Pashtun Wali, a guest, which that would include us since we came there to help protect the village, a guest is a gift from God. And no matter how much it costs you, you always open your door and welcome them and share. So I say that too because there's great wisdom around the world that as we put ourselves deep within the walk of Christ, we can't be shutting off people of other faith. We get a very intentional and shaped narrative that comes through a very seditious and evil media that intends to keep us apart. There's something like 1.2 billion Muslims in the world. Out of that, there is a core element that has grown massively, thanks to our CIA and others, of a radicalized Muslim movement that's about two to 300 million. The rest of them are traditional Muslims. Look, I'm, I'm not a, I don't like the Muslim faith. That's, but that's irrelevant. Because those in, in Islam are not all radical, but you would never know that if you listen to our media. And you would never appreciate how much radical Islam has grown unless you realize the sort of crap that we've done to them. And it's interesting to note that one of the quotes from Osama bin Laden was that, regardless of what 9-11's truth is, his comment was, the United States must now be attacked because it has become, and he used it that way, the great Satan. I think we can fairly be be fairly honest with ourselves right now that if we're looking around and being honest with what our government is, not our people, that's why I'm making this distinction, our government is like the heartbeat of Satan. This is the same government that has now turned on us as it has waged war across the world to destroy cultures, to murder children, to bomb indiscriminately, to create terrorism, to send out CIA insurgency teams, to create terrorist events that the media can now spin and give us justification to invade or to bomb. As we have done that to the world, they have now been doing it to us. That is the government I'm speaking of. That is the intelligence agencies, the components that are working against us. That's elements of DOD that are working against us. That's our own government. So whether we like it or not, We're getting a little taste, a little taste of what the world has had to suffer as we, as the expeditionary power of the deep state and the hands that force compliance to the Federal Reserve note, that's what those organizers have done. And they've done it in the most blasphemous way. They've used the name in God we trust. And they have brought in this worship. It's it's our true belief in the nature of the Constitution, but they've turned it against us. By through the nature of enemies foreign, they've created those foreign enemies and then sent us to fight against the same, against the people who we started a fight with. But that never shows up. See, these are some of the darker truths of who we are as a nation. And this doesn't make me embarrassed to be American. It doesn't make me hate my nation. In fact, what it does is it expands my love for Americans and it swells my disdain for this damn government that has taken control of us and hijacked everything that we are supposed to be about. And so right now, as I look across things so much, what I see so powerfully is that God is moving here in big ways. And he's giving us an opportunity to make our decision. He's showing us 
that he still has faith in us. I'm going to play a piece here, and I don't agree with it at all, but I want to play it in particular because it's misguided in its interpretation in the relationship to Father and Jesus, and it'll bring me back to what we're talking about here. So this is usually an account. I like his stuff, typically. He's on TikTok. But this particular piece, I think he's way off base on, and we'll talk about it, but this unfortunately comes from just a swelling of anger and, in my opinion, a lack of centering on the rock of faith. It's not my intention to piss you off, but I'll probably achieve that anyway. So here we go. Got a question for you. Do you think that God blew up the guide stones because man restarted CERN? Really? An entity that, that can flood the entire planet blew up some rocks in Georgia because he's mad about CERN. Why wouldn't he, um, with all the power of the universe, all the power of, of God, why wouldn't he just blow up CERN? That would send a message. That's Kramer says dot truths on TikTok. And I do like his stuff, so I'm going to be clear about it. And I'm not trying to dis- defame him in any way. But this particular piece, I think he's wrong. And it's worth the discussion. Because I can see how that would be the perception, especially with a lot of the chatter right now, that deals with, the Guidestones. First of all, we don't know what CERN is. We only know the little tidbits of what they're telling us. And we have no perception of what God is doing in relationship to CERN. I think one of the ironies of CERN is it's trying to open up this 5D dimension, which is supposed to raise consciousness. And we don't know how God plays that. For all I know, God wants that to move forward as it is to and continue to draw all the evil. The threshing floor is the principle. But the other part about this is that's missed is if people are literally saying that God specifically blew up the, the guide stones, we can already prove that it was a man involved because they've got footage of him running and setting something. So it's probably an explosive. Maybe. I don't even know that. I have no idea. I just know that there's a figure now that's been caught on camera, seen running quickly and running out of there. But here's what's missed is God just doesn't step in with his hand and go, I'm going to do this. God works through us. And God brings about events that are impossible through us. The example is the whole thing of CERN. Like I read earlier tonight, and I'm not going to read it again, but it was the point that it was done on George Bush's birthday. It was done at 403.33, so 4.03 a.m., 33 seconds. All of that has meaning, just like the issue of the Supreme Court justices. They made the decision to drop Roe versus Wade, to reinforce concealed carry, to give prayer back to the schools. God works through us. Too many people look to God as an entity that's going to fix this for us. That is not the case. And it's never been the case. And we're not told that at all because we're always told even through Christ that through Christ we find salvation. It's our belief and we're warned that we're going to be persecuted. It doesn't say, stand by, people, and once you, once you accept me in my heart, do nothing. Sit in your pew or on your couch, and then I shall return and fix it all for you and hand you the keys to the kingdom. That does not say that. And unfortunately, the way that our churches are constructed, too often that's the sort of message that's conveyed because it's always about the salvation and Ultimately, like I criticize so often, and I will criticize it till the end of my days or the days it stops, is it's salvation, but don't forget to drop 20 bucks in the damn pot. Again, what's the core of all this? It's always centers back to the money. And that's Babylonian magic right there. So, As God moves through us and works with us, we have to spend time listening to God. Each of us has a unique relationship with Father. That is the gift that we're given. I know some people that have regular visions of Jesus or meetings with God. 
that's not the way God works with me. And I'm even reminded in prayer because the way God works through me is what I'm doing right now. And in these conversations, as I work through the day and I have conversations, things show up and he, and he guides me and I listen. And if someone said, okay, what is, what were the exact instructions God gave you? I would say, I have no idea. I just know that I trust in where he leads me and it always turns out right. And that's the big thing because we know that it's center point to this relationship with father is fear not and have trust. And right now, more than ever, the examples that we set as a nation, which can return the light to the hill for the world to see, is for us to be vigilant, to be vocal, to be staunch in our belief and never bow to this garbage that they're putting onto us, to set an example to the world that there is a lines that we will not cross, that we will not obey or deal with evil. We are not going to try to compromise with evil but at the same time, not to forget each other. And that means that at certain times, there's going to be difficult decisions that are going to be made. One of those, and I played it in the, in the previous show, and I'm gonna, I'll go ahead and pull it up now. And it's worth hearing this because I think this is a good contextual issue of some of the difficult decisions and the need for us to stay together. So here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, fasten your seat buckles. We're going for a wild ride on this flat plane, baby. Truckers in Cali, remember they said uh, they were going to make it illegal for the truckers to operate as independent contractors in that state. Basically saying, hey, it's illegal, you can't do it, you have to shut your business down, done. You have to go work for a corporation or the big man or whatever. Well, they tried to push a bill up on the Supreme Court, Assembly Bill 5, AB 5, and the Supreme Court did not take it. And now they are on break for like three months, right? So... In the next week, that's going to happen. The truckers in Cali, that's independent contractors, uh, owns their own LLC, whatever, they're not going to be able to operate at all. So what have they said? That's fine. We'll just move out of the state. We'll set up our business in another state, and all of us are banding together, and we will never deliver another product to Cali again. And there's 70,000-plus of them. So if you live in Cali, I'm sorry. Brace yourself. And I see that as completely right action for a couple of reasons. One, a class of people is being persecuted, so they're doing what they need to do to do the right thing, to continue with their livelihood. But they've been forbidden by a governance that says if they work in the state, they have to work for a corporation. That's nationalizing an industry is all that is. That's socialism and backdoor. So California as a whole is going to suffer a consequence. If I look at this from a lens, from a higher optic, higher level optic, like move that up to 75,000 feet, man, it sure looks a lot like that's God working. Like, okay, you all have a problem. You all need to fix it because those that were serving you are now being abused. And where is that collective voice to stand up for them and speak out? That's pretty profound. And again, this isn't where God did this. This is God working through us to shift the world. God's playing his hands. He's opening us to, he's opening up. It's for us to see more and more how this is coming together. And there's phenomenal things happening. We have to remember that God many times will use evil and let evil flow through. Babylon, the Babylon's, the Babylonians invaded the Jews, and God let that happen so that in the end he could affect everybody. As Esther was required to go into a harem and have to spend the night with the king so that he would select his most favored sexual prize, that's the bottom line. And that's really difficult for some people to accept. They're like, oh, that's evil. Unfortunately, that's not evil. That's part of a process of working in humanity because we're all sinful and we're all corrupt in one way or another. And God has to move his, to achieve what he needs to ultimately save the Jews and prevent Haman from executing the plan to wipe them all out. There had to be 
some sacrifice done, but Queen Esther isn't going to hell. All of this is staying in tune and in touch with where God needs us to be. That means that we quit trying to export our beliefs onto others. And it means that where we are right now as a nation is we're pretty primitive. And we have a lot of mess that's been allowed for many reasons that ultimately it's our nation. That we have to bear some responsibility for this, each and every one of us. So I'll use these numbers again, and I think they're just important to frame. This is a nation of about approximately 340, maybe 350 million, depending if they count all the illegals that have been coming in. And it's a nation that's run by a government, a federal government, that has 439 agencies, 2.9 million employees, and 4,000 heads that are specifically appointed by the executive branch. Now, all in all, that's less than 3 million people that is steering a nation of 3.5 million, or 350 million, excuse me. That's 1%, a little bit less than 1%. When you add state governance and you add other things, you probably get pretty close to 1% is leading a nation of 350 million. So when we look at it like this on just fundamental numbers and we look at the disasters that we're having, there has to be a very significant question. How did 1% manage to railroad 350 million or so, we'll say for the sake of being accurate, 346.5 million, how did, three, how did 1% of the population of 350 million manage to steer an entire nation to accept abortion as a common thing, to abort, un, to kill unborn babies, to accept or ignore a child sex trafficking scandal that's running at about 700,000 children a year, to be the exporters of war and violence around the world, to completely hijack an election system and no one says a thing, that's pretty phenomenal. And if you want to talk about one of the greatest brainwashing events ever in the history of the world, here we are. We have an incomplete network of control that we've accepted and we complain, but we don't do anything about it. So let's go back to the lessons from Esther. Esther pushed back at a critical moment with, to Mordecai and told Mordecai that she was not, if she went in front of the king uninvited, she would lose her head if he did not accept her and hand her the golden scepter to speak. Mordecai then made the plea to her that said basically, and it was in, in summation, if you don't take an action, not only will all of your people be eradicated, but you will not be spared because they will come after you in the end as well. Because the plot was deep and the plotter, Haman and his crew, were working to do just that. Esther heard that. They were powerful words. And in the end, I would say they were words in which God was speaking to her through someone. Again, God working through us. And the amazing thing about the book of Esther, the 17th book of the Bible, is that nowhere in there is God mentioned. Not once. It's one of the most unique books in in our entire scripture. God is not mentioned. And yet, there is so much presence in God in that entire short book of Esther, it's stunning because God moves massive events. And the critical piece to all of that is people are listening. Those that have faith in God are listening. Esther listens and she responds and says, 
then to the people, have them fast, no food or drink for three days, and myself and my servants will do the same. And then I'll approach the king, and if I perish, I perish. Phenomenal moment in biblical stories. God's doing even better than that right now. God has had unbelievable patience with us. This is a nation that is right now, when we start to really pull back the depths of corruption in this nation, it's ugly. Again, the people are beautiful. The, The organized criminal cabal that's running this, it's right out of Satan's back pocket. The problem is we've allowed it to be or we've been too afraid to stand up to it. You tell me, and I'd love to hear, I'm saying that rhetorically, I mean, I would love to hear someone to explain to me how 345 million people would be militarily conquered by approximately 3 million. The answer is it is not physically possible. There's not enough ammo. There's not enough technology. There's nothing. And there's no way that they could hold a concentric circle of power without that being crushed and the walls broken down with that many people. It'd be like 2 million people marching on D.C. and having an armed element to defend them, and that 2 million people came up and just kept walking. They would eventually run out of ammo. There would be people that would be would obviously sacrifice. And even if you didn't fire a shot in return, you would overwhelm the occupying force and you would take over the capital. That's the truth. And that's the truth with any government housed in this nation. But it takes a commitment to go to another level. It takes a commitment deep within our fearlessness and our trust to walk that path. Gandhi's not Christian, and yet Gandhi led with the greatest movement and a peaceful resistance that ultimately toppled the entire British crown's occupation of India. That isn't to say that no shots were ever fired, but the majority of the movement that Gandhi led was peaceful protest and passive resistance. And they destroyed the British army. That's truly wielding in a framework of Christ the sword of the Spirit. And again, we're taught in the garden that there is a moment where the sword has application. And that's how I interpret it. You can disagree with me, and that's your your call. But I don't look at the Bible through a passive lens. I see Scripture as a story of unbelievable warrior-level operations with the greatest warriors God has ever pulled into the fight. We have the classics, which are more like uh, Jericho and Joshua, or Gideon, or David, or even Moses that stands on the mountain leading his army. But then we have these other amazing heroes like Esther. And of course, then we have the greatest warrior of all, which is Jesus. And here's what we see in that progression. We see that Gideon destroys a whole army. We see that Joshua leads and destroys armies. We see that David opens the door for the entire Philistines to be annihilated. We see that Esther is able to lead her people so that they can respond and wipe out all of those that were trying to kill the Jews. That was 75,000 or so. But here's what's amazing about Jesus. He is sacrificed, and what happens? He destroys the entire Roman world as a consequence. That's God right there. It's profound. And so that's like I say, when I look at Scripture, I'm not one that has ever read Scripture from this peace-at-any-cost, passive, smelly, hippie, love-and-hug sort of thing because that's not really the story within there. So as we continue to look at Scripture and look where we are today, One thing that we don't see in Scripture is a worship of money. In fact, that's one of those principles that Christ is flipping tables about. 
We have to continue to give. We have to continue to be strong in supporting one another and those in need. We have to continue to seek out those opportunities that God will place before us to build bridges and to do miraculous things. I played this piece earlier tonight, which we're going to close with before prayer tonight, on the conversion of a Satanist to Christian faith and a love in Jesus because one woman took time to give him a hug after an interview, and show him the true love of Christ. Take a listen. The founder of a Satanist church in South Africa abruptly ditched the church. He says he found Jesus. A radio station had him on. So this Christian lady who worked at the radio station pulled him aside afterwards. And after the interview, this lady came to me, and she hugged me, and she held me in a way that I've never been loved. I saw... This woman is a Christian. I've never had, I've never experienced a Christian showing that much love and acceptance unconditionally. After that interview, I had a meeting with council members at that at the church, and it's growing, Satanism is growing, and believe me, people, it is. And I had to do a ritual by myself to see how do I get more power, more influence. And I did this ritual and I opened myself up, and Jesus appeared. And I was extremely cocky. And I said, if you are Jesus, you need to prove it. And he flooded me with the most beautiful love and energy. And I recognized it immediately because that woman at the radio station showed it to me. That's how I recognized the love of Christ. Even when I was in Christian ministry almost 20 years ago, I never knew it until a month or two ago. The love of Christ is unconditional. I have for a long time believe that I am not worthy of God's grace. Let me tell you something today. The kingdom of God is not a gated community. It's my prayer that you will feel the love. I, I pray that the peace of, of Christ will be with you. I love that so much. And I think that you know a lot of people who call themselves Christian need to be more like that lady. Because someone is satanic, you don't turn on them and hate them. You love them like she did. It's a powerful statement. The kingdom of God is not a gated community. Profound. Coming from a man who was a Satanist. It's, it, there's absolute truth in that. This week for me has been really profound. And... I'm I'm grateful for all that God has shown. It has completely shifted my optic on warfare to realize more deeply the true measure of wielding the sword of the Spirit and the true vulnerabilities of this enemy. And it's only beginning. This opening has opened up and the clarity has been shown and I am completely humbled by what God has shown me. So I say this as kind of a foreshadowing of what's going to be coming. Look, I will always say, and I will continue to say, that you must fight first and wield first the sword of the Spirit, and we must always carry the sword of steel. Because there's the unpredictable, and there's the moment where we ourselves are expected to defend ourselves, not become rolled up like a dead cockroach or a doormat. But as with Peter, in drawing the sword, slicing off the ear, which stayed the attack towards Jesus... We have to remember that in this time, though that may happen, the one thing that we're taught in that, at least the way I read that scripture, is that Jesus then stays the hand of Peter to heal the ear and show everybody the true power of God. Patriots, that is within us. That is not a question, it has been given. In fact, it was given in red-letter language, John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. It is unbelievable to me that we don't embrace this fully for what this is. This is the gift right before us. And I think for many it's, 
They go to the place in default and say, well, we could never be greater than Jesus. Yet in red letter language, he says we will do greater works than he. So either Jesus is lying or we're being foolish. And Jesus isn't lying. In this moment in time, when this crisis is so big and the world is mounting and verging towards a point of total calamity, the total loss of everything, I would hope that each one of us is solid and fearless and sitting here very content in ways of knowing that our trust in him will lead us to do greater works than he. Because there's no greater compliment to a teacher than to exceed that which he has shown. Jesus is our Savior, but what he's shown us is the example for us to strive to and go beyond. Now it's up to us to embrace that path. And in this moment in history, in this moment in time, that's the call of the true warrior. Again, you enter the fight with a sword of steel on your hip, but you're wielding the sword of the Spirit. And with that wielding, it is possible to do greater works than he. All we have to do is trust and truly believe in what he's given us. Let's pray. Jesus, we are just completely blessed this evening as we sit here and reflect on the words you've given us. And we just ask to just sit with us tonight hear us and give us that comfort that, and love that only you can share. An unbelievable understanding, deep compassion, the agape aspect of love that opens our eyes past the division, past the deceptions, past the hatred, the anger, the frustrations, the hurt, for us to embrace the fact that this is part of the walk, that we must suffer each to our own, in order for us to appreciate the gifts of Father. This is an unbelievable time of an awakening, not just in the knowledge, but in the deep spirit of who we are. And so, hear us this evening in our prayers. We want the plot and the plotters to be revealed. It's a process. And as we prayed last night, we pray again to reveal this no matter what the pain, whatever the struggle, we have to start seeing the depths of this truth so that we can be accountable for what we've been part of and we can extend the hand of healing to bring this nation back together. Equally, Jesus, please hear us in this moment. You gave us these words in John fourteen twelve. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. Well, Jesus, we believe in you. No more than that, we've embraced you, we've accepted you. We've been transformed through our repentance before you. And we will continue to repent as we move through our lives for the sins that we do. But Jesus, in our prayer tonight, we simply ask that those words can start becoming reality, that you can guide us to show us not only how we can do works equal, but how the opportunities can open to do greater works, not for the purpose of our ego, our self, but for the service of Father and the healing of this nation. We're humbled, we're blessed, and in many ways words fall short of what we really feel in our hearts, but you can see our hearts, and our hearts are true. We say these things in your holy name. Amen. This is a real challenging time for us to accept a path that sits before us. I don't know that it's as challenging it maybe as the word implies, but it nonetheless imposes challenges for all of us. Let me phrase it that way. Because we have to start doing some things that we may feel uncomfortable with or we found safe haven in our frustrations, our anger, our hurt, 
because it's easier to hide behind anger, frustration, and hurt than it is to move past it and extend the hand where we need to go. And if we're willing to accept that, there is no question that Father will open those doors and it will challenge us. But as it challenges us, let us rise to the occasion. Let us build the bridges. Let us heal the wounds. And let us rise to what we've been said we can do. The works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than, he will, than these he will do. Let those words resonate. Let them marinate deep within the prayer. Seek that. Because as each one of us seeks that level of greatness, which is literally us working through the body of Christ, you want to see transformation? You want to see the cabal destroyed? You want to see the world healed? That type of action does so without firing a single shot, without raising a single blade of steel. And in the same time, it collapses the cabal. It takes evil and makes them realize and have a witness and experience with Jesus. It destroys them from in out. That is God extending grace to them. It does not change justice. But it is them now realizing the true sense of God. And in the end, you tell me something more destructive to Satan than that. To watch his minions turn from him and accept Jesus as their Savior. For that I will always pray and seek. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. We are an amazing people. We have to believe it. We have a despicable government. We need to accept that. And our prayers are essential in the awakening and awareness of all of that. And God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. We know that. But he's put us here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We're at war. So we need to walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, and keep the mission forward. I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now.
lights down over the hill where the lost got found. Reaching through somehow. Oh, you're an island when the world is too loud. When the seasons change, I know the space between us will stay the same. Resting on this faith when your soul answers calls far away. Something to find.